Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 437. My name is Brando. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Wesley Gear. How are you, What's sir? What's up, Brando? I'm good. And for the listeners at home that maybe haven't figured this out, you cannot spell Brando without rad. <laughs> so it's important information we need to disclose here on the podcast, and now we've disclosed it. That's You got me choking already. That's really funny. <laughs> it's almost like an inside joke here because I've interviewed – because you're where are you located right now, if you don't mind me asking? I'm in Laguna Beach. Okay, so it's – it comes from a lot of LA based. I got a lot of. Do you know um, Brain Brian uh, Mantia? He was in Primus, Guns N' Roses. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about. So it was not just him overused, or I, I guess not used to somebody using the word rad that often. That isn't a Ninja Turtle. So I've, I've played. I've joked about that word throughout all these episodes, and the fact that I never just thought of that simple. I can't spell Brando without rad. Well done. Yeah, well, yeah, we're West Coasters, so we say rad, and you're on the East Coast, and so, you know, there's you got your own slang over there. Yeah, we just say F you. <laughs> we're just angry. I, you know, it's funny. I was going to say that, but if I said you say, hey, fuck you. But, uh, exactly. If I had said that as the West Coaster, then I'd be like, hey, what a dick. He's slagging us, you know, but you said it now. You opened the door. <laughs> but just so you know, one of my best friends is named Brando, okay. and then- one of my other best buddies who I work with also, I can't remember how we got there, but we call him Branjo. And it's not because he plays the banjo, but something. <laughs> Anyhow, so I have a Brando, Branjo, and now you're Brando. So, yeah. Oh, this is, might be one of my favorite starts to an episode ever. Wesley, I mean, we've only spoken via email, and it's like we've just been friends for a while. And I got to imagine you get that all the time just because you, you work with so many people. Uh, just a, you have to have that kind of personality. So, for those of you who aren't familiar with Wesley, one of the founding members of Head PE, a band that I played on the radio when I first started out on uh, the Aggressive Edge on my uh, college radio station. You know, sick. Yeah, next to the Metallica's, next to the Dying Fetus. There's a Head PE. <laughs> oh, Dying Fetuses! Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, not my favorites, but I respect. I respect it. Uh, and uh, uh, he was in Corn for a while, toured the world, yeah. great band Corn. And now what we're here, really here going to talk about, you, you heard me speak about, if you listen to the episode with uh, Big Chris Flores, Rock to Recovery, rocktorecovery.org. And just first of all, I mean, I'm going to be saying thank you a lot throughout this episode. Thanks, dude. It's uh, because of the work that you do. But just the initial thank you of helping me promote that episode because what Big Chris did and I didn't know he was going to do this when we were planning an interview. Uh, it was a second interview. I wasn't planning for him to just like, "Hey, I finished this Chester, you know, slash demo. Would you like to play it on your podcast?" Yeah, yeah, I would. 
That's so dope. And and with that, I I was like, okay, but Chester isn't here anymore. And there was a lot of, I don't know, it, you start going down that thought process of just, at least I do, of what happened with Chester and yeah, just his whole story. And, and who am I to be given this song to promote and to benefit from it in a way? I'm not selling it, but with streams, with follows, what yeah. do I want to do with this? And yeah. I thought, let's do what Chester w- would have wanted, would be happy with, just uh, talk to a charity that believes in, in something that he believed in, and talking with Big Chris about that, he suggested you guys, and I'm yeah. really glad that he did. I've heard of you before, Rock to Recovery. Uh, so just with all that, that's just a huge, that's a welcome. That's a welcome uh, to the show, and just thanks for all the hard work you've been doing, and thanks for the support. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, it's really cool about that song that it came out. I know what you mean because um, <clears throat> Rock to Recovery started having events. We wanted to create cool, sober events, you know, that are as cool as any other be- event, but just without all the booze. So people who are struggling can come have a, you know, because when people are trying to quit drinking, they're not like, or drugging, they're not like, hey, let me go to a concert. That's probably the last place they feel safe. So, um, being a music lover, Rock Recovery started having these sober events and then honoring, you know, sober rock stars and just tying in a bunch of, you know, really big names and Chester actually sang at our first one. Okay. And, you know, just like Chester, he, he, he rock stars and celebrities or people with names often do so, you know, uh, charity events. And a lot of times you don't really know what the charity is. You're like, oh, it's music that helps you know what I mean? Which is okay because it's hard to keep up on all the info and you want to go support. And you, Anyhow, Chester, he knew exactly what we were doing. And what we do is we get non-musicians playing music as a healing transformative force. But he talked about it from the stage. And then, um, you know, what a better way, you know, to uh, walk into sobriety than w- with music, you know. And he really got it. And then so when he passed, we were sharing these videos and, you know, some people get mad. Oh, you're using Chester's death to it. It's like, no, no, we're not. And, you know, especially now, even since he's passed, the uh, world, if you will, has even got more angry to try to call out people on their missteps. And so it's it's hard. You're always making you're always going to make somebody mad. But, you know, what we know about Chester is he had a big, giant heart. He was a very, very, very loving person. And I think if the intention is good, then he would always be behind it. And it's like what, you know, y'all did with the song, putting it out there with the message behind it. Thank you for aligning with us. Um, Yeah, that's what it's all about, right? Yeah, no, absolutely agreed. And it's just, yeah, it is a divisive world. You can put up, now I guess I have the most recent uh, personal situation where I put up a, a video where I, I told you off the air that my my son, Baby Brownstone, might be making, I call him Baby Brownstone, but his real name is Harrison, maybe showing up uh, soon. He's out with his, his mom. But yeah. I post, I sometimes I incorporate him in episodes and I'll just, you know, if he's going to cry, I'll hand him off to my wife or, you know, it's pre-recorded. I'll, it never got that bad where I needed to stop anything. I just hand him off and it, Usually it's like a nice little interaction. So he was playing peekaboo with Paul Rogers and his wife. <laughs> so I just posted that clip being like, this is going to be amazing to, to show him later in life. Yeah. And someone said, you're using your kid for clicks. I'm like, yeah. what? What clicks? Yeah. 
it's yeah. I think it's just another another phrase that just lost no meaning. What what clicks? Yeah, you, you have to click on to watch it, but what am I really getting? Yeah. So kind of with that, it's funny. What I really wanted to do with that uh, that that interview with Big Chris Flores and the the full song that's in there was, and I told you this, I wanted to give the proceeds to you, and I still you rock to recovery. Just to be clear, not to me personally. Oh, Right, you're right. I should be clear about that. RockToRecovery.org. So I'll, yeah, we I'll, went to Mastro's. God, I had a great steak, man. Aged. Yeah. No, What's just... your Venmo? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, so actually, this is that's a, a funny uh, segue into everything. So, uh, just talking about what a click's really meaning. Uh, what am I really getting by posting it? So, oh, I posted. This is just the YouTube stats. Like over thirty-two thousand views. So, I actually thought it would have done better, but a lot of people. I saw we're just clipping out the song and just posting it on their own sites. So I would have to leave comments like, you're just stealing for charity, from charity. So yeah. I, I had to share some copyright residuals because that song eventually became Dr. Alibi with Lemmy and Slash. So I guess the, that, uh. the chord progression or something is owned, but whatever. So do you want to uh, take a guess? I didn't know that part. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I was, there, sometimes, I, I mean, I will fight YouTube copyright because it's all my stuff. Uh, right, but I just want to see what you, th as a musician, what do you think thirty-two thousand views on YouTube got me as far as an estimated value? Oh, I well, let me see estimated value. Um, so you have to go into the decimal point oh oh. <laughs> I think you end on the third decimal, so thirty-two thousand. I would say thirty-two dollars, forty-eight dollars, eleven dollars and eighty-eight cents. Oh man! So we're living large over here. So here's what I'm gonna do instead, since that was not what I wanted. So this is yeah. the right way to do it. I'm going to rocktorecovery.org. I'm clicking on gold, which is uh one hundred dollars. It's a little donate thing. This little pop up's not working, so I'm going one hundred dollars. Continue. Wow. Uh, got to put in my name. I thought I entered this all in before. You thought I preloaded it. Well, I guess put it this way. I'm gonna do it. I don't know why it's not upload. It's not getting my information, but I'm going to go, I'm going to donate a hundred dollars to rock recovery.org. And thank you so much. No problem. Because it is a, it is a place that not only Chester believes in that I believe in. I've had my own path to recovery. Uh, I've been, I guess it's, I'm in my eighth year without alcohol. Nice. And it, it was so weird. I never considered myself an alcoholic because I was just more of a, I still am to a, a degree because, I mean, now I could say it's legal, but a bit of a stoner. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, different, of course, now with a, a kid, but I never thought alcohol was my drug of choice. But he, there I was purposely drinking myself to sleep alone, like five o'clock in the evening, not going out, going through bottles and bottles and bottles, you know, yeah. just to supplement, whatever. So that, yeah. that was a really dangerous path that thankfully, I mean, all these... I, eight years ago, I didn't have a wife. I didn't have a kid. Look where I am now. So that's my yeah. path. Can you talk about your path a little bit? Your path to, I know, it, it, it's, I'm sure it's a long story, but whatever you can about your path to recovery. Yeah, I try to keep it short. Uh, um, you know, um, I guess I was a like insecure kid, you know, lots of kids are. And then so for me, it was like like hanging with the stoners. And it was an easy way to connect with people. So I thought, even though I really wasn't connecting because I was super stoned, but <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you go to the parties and then, but right, if I look at my drinking and using right out of the gate, 
I was always kind of like the guy that they're like, Wes, you're too drunk. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're drinking too. And then it went on and on from there. I was, you know, snorting Coke at a young age, even though I didn't like it per se, but my friend had it. So I would do it. And I thought I was doing normal partying and, uh, but I always seemed to kind of have a gear above everybody else, uh, not in a bragging way, but in a like being singled out way. And then uh, had a, had, you know, had a bunch of times living in my car at a young age, kicked out, like flunked out of college, fired from McDonald's, fired from Domino's. And uh, but anyhow, I was always trying to do the band thing. And then um, I was I was a heavy drinker, and then I discovered methamphetamine, and it became my muse. I had all these crappy bands that went nowhere, and when I formed Head PE with the singer Jared. We'd tweak out and it was working for us because all of a sudden we're selling out clubs and jive records. We're flying out to New York City, you know, and I'm on drugs. I don't have a problem, but that is obviously not sustainable. I crashed and burned, ended up in a rehab and found out that I'm just an alcoholic, actually. That, you know, anytime I start getting high on something, I lose all control. And so um, that's what I had to learn, that I was never going to be able to use um, again, which is fine. And I just, like they say, I do it one day at a time. And and just like you're saying, man, I couldn't imagine life without drinking and using, but I got the corn gig because I was sober. I founded my nonprofit, Rock the Recovery, because I was sober. And actually now the work I do with Rock the Recovery, I was only in corn not that long a time, right? But parlaying that into rock recovery and helping people has i was just at a premiere with we're standing right next to uh uh steven spielberg and tom hanks and i'm not trying to name drop here but i i was in a gratitude moment going the reason i'm here is because they did a film on the air force and what they went through in world war ii and they love the work rock recovery is doing with the air force i'm getting chills right now and that's what got me to hang out. It wasn't about the names, but that's what got me the access because we together are trying to help people, man. It's like, that's all because yeah. I got re- getting drunk and, and all that shit, you know? Yeah. No, that, that it's, uh, I, it just, I appreciate those name drops because I know they're not, but I think it, it, it shows on just a more abstract level of where you could be and struggling and, 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 and just the highs, like the ultimate A-list and, and not just because you're, you're partying with them. You're there for a reason, a good reason to help other people. And it's it's using your experiences to give back, which not everybody does. And it's what I try to do as well. When I started this podcast, it wasn't just about, well, I, my, my listeners know that I thought it was a silly idea when my former co-host, current friend, still like suggested it. I'm like, oh, what am I going to talk about? How much... You know, I, I love November Rain and like the album. I used to be a music nerd about it. But for me, it always kind of transcended into who they are as people and their and their road to recovery. Uh, all of them, you know, especially when you look at Izzy Stradlin, who gave it all up, all up, or he's going to die of addiction. And, or, and Steven Adler, I mean, that, uh, that yeah. could be dead easily. Slash, who... And I mean, all of them slashed off all wow. the brink of death. Axel was had tremendous depression issues. So that's what gravitates me. So mental health has always been and, and recovery and addiction has always kind of been that secondary theme of the podcasting. You get to talk to people like you about it uh, is it, it's that's how it's it's my you're my Tom Hanks in this situation. <laughs> Just like we're both here <laughs> to try to help uh, other people. So could you talk yeah. about like what? kind of programs you do specifically rock to recovery does 
uh, specifically to help somebody it's to say hey i need help what can what can, how can you guys help so yeah that thanks for asking a lot of people don't know so i went to a rehab um just lost and broken i didn't know what was wrong with me and that's where i learned about you know what was you know i'm alcoholic and how to combat that and we were doing things like art therapy drawn with crayons and yoga and all the guys are farting and i'm like hey you know let's be serious i want to learn this yo this downward dog stuff i mean this is 2004 and there wasn't music there wasn't music in treatment um in these treatment centers that i would see because now i'm part of the sober culture right and uh but i had my guitar with me in rehab and then when i would whip it out i could feel the end the energy of the whole room change just from a few chords because when people were so raw and so hurting and you're like you know everybody in there's like i've destroyed my life what's wrong my wife hates me i got court cases and then you bring a couple simple chords out i could feel it now and so the the endeavor of rock recovery was to bring music into treatment centers and so what we do is we get people to process their emotions whatever they're going through in that moment or in their life or in that treatment center and show them how feelings become lyrics and then we turn it into a song and we get non-musicians to write perform and record songs in each session so that's what we do and we do it with mental health treatment centers eating disorders sex traffic places we work with friendly house in la it's the oldest wow. rehab in LA that takes indigent women off the streets and rehabilitates them. We're in our ninth year of contract with the uh, Department of Defense working with Air Force Wounded Warriors. I mean, I, dude, this started as just an idea of me taking some instruments into rehab by myself. And now we have this amazing board of directors. And, you know, yeah, I played in corn for a few years and it absolutely helped. But none of this was handed to us. We've been grinding like a garage band and it's uh -huh. been so wonderful to see. Like sometimes nonprofits start and it's like, okay, I'm, you know, whatever giant actor. I started a nonprofit. Everybody throws in millions of dollars and mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, we're on TV now. Ours has been like garage band in the van grinding out. And the thing that's working is uh, when you hear this girl who shared at our rock recovery event, she was 19 suicidal drug addicted. And she said, you know, when I was in that black place, you know, uh, dark place, mu you know, lost music reached back for me and pulled me out and helped save my life via rock to recovery. It's like, what? So we're one facet of the many tools that help battle addiction and mental health. There's no one thing. It's, right. it's like a combo, a Swiss army knife approach. And so one person, maybe it's dance or it's yoga or it's trauma therapy we're part of something that helps people find light. You're absolutely, absolutely right. And that's what I tell people now, whether it's through the podcast or in my own life, that you need to find some place, something where you can express yourself and you can connect with other people that you're passionate about. And I wish I had the talent to be a musician. That's why I went into radio. I just, uh, I, I play the talented people. I, I can't be th that kind of talented. So what I... I did a suggestion th through my therapist where I'm just like, I don't, I'm just, while I, yes, I work in radio, she, I wasn't creatively satisfied. Yeah. So she kept saying, you got to find some sort of, for lack of a better word, a hobby, but something you're passionate about. And that's when this idea for the podcast came about. And I had no idea I'd be doing this basically eight years later, seven years later, getting a chance to interview all my favorite rock stars and, and people. So this is, 
helped me with that. So this is kind of like you mentioned yoga or dance. Like my wife's a dance teacher. So that's what she does as well. So just to find your, your venue, your medium is, is so important, whatever that is. And, and forgive me, but you'll understand why, while I was looking off camera, I, I finally got my thing to, to work. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So now I got my email. Thank you for your $100 contribution. So I just want to let yeah, you know. Yeah. Nice. I, I want to be a man you of my click, word. You <laughs> click the monthly button, right? It's, Hey, I got a kid. I got a kid. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if I had the means, that that's something I, I would love to to do because I'm I'm just not a money driven person. It's been difficult for me to even mention my Patreon now. Trying to go into 2024 different, yeah. but when you Shame see self promotion, you got to do it, man. I it I, I do it through generosity. That's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about how I I do people. I do get messages just like you do. Like you've helped me. I also think about put, just buying my kid diapers. I I got to do something more than what YouTube is, is giving me. <laughs> yeah, eleven dollars ain't gonna go too far, especially not in New York. No, no, no. Uh, a couple of just uh shotgun questions, if I if I may. Well, how did the decision to leave had PE? Like, how difficult was that for you? Uh. Yeah, you know, a band is always the beautiful magic of all the people in the band. No denying that. But Jared and I were the pilot and co-pilot of that project from its launch. And uh, we're writing partners. And uh, we had some drama over, over a girl that could not be repaired. You know, I made mistakes. He made mistakes. It's easy probably for people to listen to make uh, assumptions of what it was like, but it wasn't as obvious as you think, but it was just, it was ugly and irreparable. And so, you know, we were fueled in our early days by tons of drugs and drinking, and I'm not using that as an excuse, but it definitely doesn't make it easier to heal, repair, speak, meet, like, you know, and so we're, but, you know, Speaking for myself, I'll just speak for myself. I was a young, dumb kid just living crazy. And uh, we hired like the rock star therapist to try to mend the band. And so it was hell. Uh, the last record we did, Blackout, he and I weren't even talking. Uh, I mean, just truth be told, we had, we've had we sent a couple nice messages here in the 20 years since I've left, but we don't we don't speak directly, which I would be, I'm super cool to do um, for the record. But uh um, yeah, I hung it out. I hung out for probably a year, like in a very, you know, when you, you're in a tour bus with a guy who doesn't want to talk to you, it was not a fun existence. So I hung in as long as I could until finally it was like, I can't do this anymore, you know? And, uh, but you know, in hindsight, it, it was crushing because, you know, I, ahead was, you know, I was big, I was producing those records, writing the vast majority of the music. And uh, so it was a very big part of my life. And uh, it was heartbreaking to lose it or leave it. But in hindsight, it's like, because I did that, my addiction got worse. And then I went and got help. And then I got sober. And because of that, I got the corn gig. And because so you look, it's like they say in, in the rearview mirror, it will all make sense. And for almost anybody, when you look back at the sucky things in your life, you're like, yeah, it sucked, but I wouldn't change it because this is what happened after that. He's off doing his thing. God bless him. He, head's doing great, you know, and uh, I'm doing great. So we're right where we're supposed to be. Yeah. Well, no, well, well said. And I appreciate you sharing that. And, and, and to speak about that corn gig that you wouldn't have gotten if you weren't in the right 
space in your life. Can you tell me how? Because uh, you, like, uh, I read that you were friends with Monkey. Uh, you've been friends with him for a while. Because uh, I've been lucky enough to have had Head on the show. I met him and his daughter actually in the studio before COVID happened. They were talking about their own path to recovery, and that's who you were placed on tour. So, can you just tell us? Uh, I'm sure you short shared this story a million times, but if you if you don't mind sharing the uh, the corn joining uh, the band story. That that's a, there's a fun long version of the story, but obviously I'll I'll keep it succinct. But the funny thing is, is this is something I haven't I forget to share. But I had a corn were like we knew them. We were all playing Huntington Beach together. Corn, Deftones, all of us were local club bands together. So we knew them from way back. I wasn't super tight with them, but we had like a you know you were loving your fellow whatever rock band of the neighborhood. I don't know how to cool say it in a cool way, but uh. I had a dream head left, which was weird because we viewed them as like this incredible brotherhood. And a couple of days later, they're like, did you, my friends called me head left. The gig's perfect for you. You should go get it, get in on that. Well, I got denied because my reputation as a drunken druggy idiot. And, and so years and years went by and they were going through guitar players that weren't working out for a variety of reasons. And then finally, my name came up again. They're like, no, he's sober now. So monkey reached out now trip, trip out on this. I'm, I had reserved, I'm now sober a few years. I've reserved that I can't do music anymore. I'm, you know, old enough where I'm not going to start some fucking van band, garage band. I'm over it. It's not part of recovery, but it felt so wrong in my soul. Like I just felt like I wasn't done playing. And so I started getting really into meditation and I do these awe meditations for manifestation from Wayne Dyer. I know it sounds crazy. And I'm like, I started going, I want to get back into music. And you're like, ah, and you visualize it, visualize it. Within 10 days of starting that meditation out of nowhere going, I want back into music and it better not be some shitty band. Swear to God. I got a text from Monkey going, hey, you want to come play guitar with us? And I was like, um... Yes, I do. <laughs> it took about six minute months to land the gig. That's the fun long version of that story because it wasn't like a like, okay, you're in. I had to chase the gig and do all this crazy stuff that frankly, if I was even a stoner or a casual drinker, I probably wouldn't have done. I had to go next level to really get myself into the band, but that's what happened. Wow. How is, because uh, I don't get to talk about him enough and he's on my bucket list interview, but how is Jonathan Davis personally? Jonathan is a sweetheart of a human, you know, um, he's just, he's just a sweetheart of a guy. And, uh, you know, what I think of when I think of, cause, cause knowing Chester and losing Chester and, and what, you know, we played with Papa Roach. I've watched so many bands that we played clubs with get really big and famous. And, uh, I just, I just think of what it's like. Cause I know him from way back in Huntington beach and, you know, mid nineties that like, journey this guy's been on forever of being a legendary front man of one of the most legendary rock bands ever and just it makes my it just you know it's a it's a beautiful life it's a wonderful life but it's a fucking hard life man you know and you got people dying and addiction all around you and the chaos and the shady people and the, you know and so when i just think of him i just think of this incredibly talented guy such a sweetheart and and what he's endured to to stay at that level for so long you know and to go along with those people who have been fighting for so long and have had those demons you told me a story a little bit just off the air i don't know the full one yet but a name that we've mentioned all the time who really has become a role model is duff mckagan 
that oh, he man. was so close to dying. Uh, yeah. Matt Sorum was on the podcast saying that he thought Duff was going to die. And, and Matt Sorum was uh, a pirate, quote. That's what he called himself back then, a pirate. So for him to yeah. think, and then look where Duff is now. Uh, I know you have an experience with Duff uh, when he was during the loaded days, right? Yeah. So um, when I was out with Corn, I think uh, we were playing a festival in Belgium. And it's funny. I used drinking to try to connect with people because I was so friggin' insecure. It's like, well, let's get drunk. And then what had happened is I'd turn into an obnoxious asshole. I'd meet Les Claypool and I'd be like, what's up, dude? And he'd, and he'd be like, bro, just, you know, you get that get out of here energy. So the reason I'm saying that is because all my best connections came from meeting people sober. So we're in Belgium. I run into, I think I met, actually met Duff first at the NAM show, which is a big music manufacturer convention. And he's like, come on, let's go to the whatever Seymour Duncan party, you know, um, which, by the way, it's not that exciting. It's some tacos and some people standing around, but it probably sounds cool. But uh, so then I ran into him. He was out on tour with his band Loaded and we were playing the same festival. And then he and it was him and Mike Squires, his guitar player, who I've known for a while. And yeah, he like, does the theme song with his podcast, actually. Oh, uh, boom, there yeah, you go. I love- Mike's, a, Mike's another sweetheart of a human. Love him. And uh and Duff was like, let's go jogging, you know? And I'm like, and Duff's like the coolest, most down to sweetheart. Like when you talk to Duff, you could be in a crowded room. And my friends and I have compared notes on this with all these people, Duff, Duff talking and distractions. And, you know, anybody could be ADD and you're kind of like trying to stay focused. He'll be like right here with you. It's you and Duff and he's going to be, you know, just in that convo 100%. And uh, he was like, let's go, let's go for a jog. I'm like, hell yeah. You know, I'm not hungover. I'm into this healthy living thing. And we're running through the back streets of Belgium. And so when you play a festival, you're not in the middle of town. You're out in the boonies because right. you need a lot of area. And we're running in this rainstorm in uh, Belgium. It's raining and there's cows. And I'm like fucking jogging with goddamn Duff McKagan <laughs> through a fucking cow fields in Belgium before we play a festival with tour. I'm like, this sober life ain't so bad. Oh, that's beautiful. Those are the stories I love hearing because, yeah, those are just, it's just another moment, like you mentioned, with with Tom Hanks before and Steven Spielberg. Yeah. It's just like, wow, I'm having this real human yeah, moment in connection because of just a, yeah, we look back, like, I really wish I didn't go through that, but you had to go through that to get to this wonderful place yeah. in life now. And I'd be remiss by if I didn't mention that because Duff and Mike Squires and, and uh, Shooter Jennings, I believe, and a couple more, yeah. uh, I don't know the rest of his band, but Duff was on Jimmy Kimmel. And he did, a, he did a great job. That was a really good, great performance by Duff. I just want to mention uh, that and, and, and seeing Mike up there was very, just to say, like I mentioned before, he does the guitar intro to this podcast. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. really? Wow, that's such a cool thing for to happen. Uh, but before we, you know, kind of wrap things up, well, let's talk about your cool ass shirt. I think it's more. Let's talk about it. Is it backwards on there? It says human, but with the three. Okay, yeah, H U three, which that's how you find us. H U three. It's actually not that hard. H U three M three N. This is my new band. Um, you know, I I didn't want. They have a saying, "Don't die when the song's in you." <sighs> I actually, in my realm of working through rehabs, I met this guy who was like, "I sing." I'm like, "Whatever." And then I heard his voice, like, "Holy shit!" His name's Matt Bartosh. We grabbed Clinton, who's the bass player, our guitar player in DI, the legendary punk band, and Zach Morris, he played with Ugly Kid Joe and uh, 
and actually had a brief stint with Head PE and Dorothy. We put together a band. It's uh, electronic, you know, indie, hard, alt-rock kind of stuff. And uh, we just we just recorded an EP with Machine, who did the best head records. Uh, he did the Broke album, my favorite one, and he's done Lamb of God, the legendary Lamb of God records, and Clutch, and all these great bands. And so we have an EP out right now called uh, Strange Bouquet, and we're on our third uh, song from that. Let's see here. Can I go on a real quick? I should have had I like this. The, I like the name of that. I like the name of that. That Strange Bouquet. Yeah, that, oh, I like the uh, the artwork too. Isn't that cool? Kind of weird, sexy. I mean, she's got a weird neck. So is she human? Maybe <laughs> I don't know. She's a robot. A little bit of like spray paint over here. Whatever your kink is. <laughs> that. Yeah, and there's. Hey, look, there Show we are, right there. Oh wow, that's very exciting. So you can find us right here on Spotify, and uh, the songs don't suck. They do not <laughs> suck. I will. <laughs> We'll, we'll see if we hey. can. There he is. With his baby hey. brownstone. His Harrison. We'll, uh, his Harrison. Fir- we'll have to wait to go to maybe a human show. His first real rock show. Sorry, I look at my wife because he already went to Dave Matthews when he was like four months. But he's oh, in yeah. Foo Fighters next summer. We're going to go to Foo Fighters. Oh, nice. Very nice. So we'll That's see. good. He's got a cool haircut, beautiful eyes. Thank Great you. Great name. Harrison, yeah. Harrison Rex. That's the Harrison Rex. So, so everything is dinosaur. And yes, he has the natural mo- uh, Misfits mohawk. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? He was born with a mohawk. He's born to be a rocker. We just got to get him some Doyle muscles. <laughs> That's true. We, I, I should have put on, a, well, one of these times, I got him a Misfits uh, one, uh, hoodie. A little Misfits hoodie. There you go. <laughs> you know who you could have on here would be uh, A.C. Slade. He he rocks with the Misfits. He's great. With From Joan Jett. Oh, okay. I'm down. I'm down with it. Uh, plays guitar on tour with Misfits. Right on. Yeah. I I saw the Misfits uh, a while ago. Very expensive. But good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I snuck my phone into the forum when they played. They were doing that put your phone in the bag thing. And I was like, no, that doesn't sound good to me. And I snuck it in and then I videoed like 30 seconds because it's my buddy playing on stage with the Misfits at the Forum. And then all these punks were like, hey, asshole, you're not supposed to have your phone. And I'm like, but isn't it punk rock that I have my phone? Oh, and I'm sorry, Harrison, I said the A word. Luckily, I think he doesn't. He can't hear you. It's all in my headphones. He's trying to grab He's trying to grab my headphones. He can't. Uh, he can't hear them. And I yeah. did the same thing when I saw Danzig by uh, himself. It was the the yeah. phone in the uh, in the case. Whatever. I like trans- being transparent. That's why you could see me uh, on Zoom. I know uh, you can hear this podcast on iHeartRadio and Spreaker and Spotify too as well. But you can see me. It's okay. I'm not gonna make you. I'm not gonna hide him. I'm not gonna hide the baby. I'm not gonna put up like a blanket. Like a wait, this <laughs> Michael Jackson. Let's do my Michael Jackson. Frankie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> At least you don't have any, you know, uh, windows that are up. No. That All right. Was- now we're going up at a tension. Wes, uh, thank you so much. This really was a pleasure. Thank you so much for all the work that you do. And I really hope we get to do this again. Yeah, I hope so, Brando. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your support and lots of love, brother. And you too, Harrison. This is to you, bud. Yeah. So that's, Whoa, how did those hearts come out? Did you do that? No, I didn't. Whoa! Zoom does that. Zoom feature? 
Oh, my hands are messed Whoa. up. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I've never seen that before. I've never seen it either. All right, learn something new every day. Look at you, Wes. I love that. I'm magical. That's I'm what so a way mad. to end an episode. <laughs> so that does yeah, it. I'll do that again. For this episode of Appetite for Distortion. <laughs> when will you see the next one? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know as soon as the word, but you'll see it. No! No! Thanks to the lame ass security, I'm going home. <laughs>